Ohio has stopped predicting presidential elections. Meanwhile, Republicans pick up a few seats in the state legislature. Incumbents in the House of Representatives win their races. And the Cleveland Browns are now Ohio's team. Yeah, you heard that right. And I go on either a thought-provoking rant or an incoherent plea for pizza. You be the judge. I'm Patrick McFarlane. Here it is, Ohio. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, let's get right into it. So like I said, uh, Trump won Ohio 3,153,000 votes to Joe Biden's 2,678,000, so roughly half a million more votes for Donald Trump. Uh, if you look at it, the electoral map is pretty on par with what the polling was. Uh, a lot of my data is from CNN politics and uh, Ballotpedia. So it's really Toledo, Cleveland, Akron, Columbus, somewhat Dayton, Cincinnati, and Athens lean Biden. The rest of the state is red. Uh, so that was kind of what I was predicting early on. And now if we look at the House elections, uh, every single incumbent won their reelection. So that means that we, out of, out of 16 total representatives, we only have uh, four Democrats, and then we have 12 Republicans. So for the state results, we have um, We have for the state results, we have, according to the Columbus Dispatch, Republicans hold narrow leads around Columbus area and Democrats lose Northeast Ohio legislative races. Uh, Adam Staver and Jesse Balmer are reporting on this. Ohio Republicans overcame the state's largest political bribery scandal to expand their majorities in the state house and potentially the Senate. I believe this was with the former secretary of state. Um, the unofficial results from the Ohio Secretary of State's office showed the GOP gaining two seats in the House and ahead by a razor-thin margin in a suburban Columbus Senate seat. That's no small feat considering one member of his caucus is facing up to 20 years in prison on federal bribery, bribery and racketeering charges. Former, oh, excuse me, it was the House Speaker Larry Householder, Republican of Glenford, appeared 
headed to the election victory despite being indicted in July and remo- removed a speaker for his alleged role in spending $60 million securing a billion-dollar bailout for two nuclear power plants. Republican wins and losses also represented an increasing divide between the urban and rural parts of Ohio. Democrat Joe Biden outperformed Hillary Clinton in Cuyahoga, Franklin, and Hamilton counties, but it wasn't enough to overcome the support for President Donald Trump in the rest of the state. So big turnout in the rural areas for Trump. Uh, I guess people were really excited, though, to, to outvote him. I think there was a lot of ticket splitting as well, is what kind of what you saw around a lot of other swing states seems to be how Joe Biden got all 80 million votes and Donald Trump only got 74. It seems like a lot of, and, and that's why Republicans kind of dominated throughout the country as people seem to, in, in key states especially, people seem to not vote for Trump as president, but didn't like what they were seeing with Democrats in general, so they voted down ballot. So that's the, that's the election coverage for now. Uh, I want to get into a little segment that I was planning on doing. I'll have a little bit more Ohio news later. But I have a kind of new segment coming up per some people's requests. So we're going to get into that. Just on a little quick Ohio sports note, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are officially out of the running for Ohio's team by now being 2-8-1. and one. If you tie, that's just pathetic. Um I don't know what's up. I, I I can't say I watch much football, and I definitely don't watch much uh, much Bengals football. But Joe Burrow just – I believe he just tore his ACL too. So they're totally done. Now I guess Ohio's only hope is the Cleveland Browns, which is actually kind of interesting because the Browns are 8-3. What the – what is going on? They're 8-3. and three. Are you kidding me? You know, I was um, I was kind of against the whole kneeling for the anthem thing at first, but it, I don't know. It seems to be working, so I guess keep it up. I don't know. I'm kind of superstitious with those sort of things. Um, even Baker Mayfield's kind of picking himself up here and there. Our running game's crazy, so I guess that's Ohio's team now. They're eight and three. They just beat the Jaguars, twenty-seven to twenty-five. So, so at least Ohio's got got one team to sort of be proud of. Sorry, Bengals fans. So this next segment that I'm going to be doing, it's just to be a little thought-provoking, nothing too serious. Uh, if you feel like, hey, you know, I don't have any credibility or something, you're just not that interested in sort of my takes on, you know, thought-provoking issues, totally fine. No problem with that at all. Uh, we'll catch you next episode. But if you kind of want to hear what I have to say, it relates a little bit to Ohio, kind of just the culture as a whole. Uh, stick around. Uh, should be should be a good segment. So I want to start this little rant with a news article that I came across recently. I think it was written in late October. Yeah, October 23rd. Kind of some good news in it, but it just got me thinking a little bit about kind of the lockdowns that we've been doing in Ohio, the different sort of regulations that we're putting in place to fight coronavirus and whatnot. But I'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, I'll I'll just kind of I'll read the article just to sort of start things off, and my mind might wander a little bit, but I don't know. We'll see where this goes. So, this article is from WTN.com. It's a Dayton local news channel. It's this article is posted by Allison Gens, 
And the title reads, Ohio CARES Act Funding to Help Local Businesses. Dayton, Ohio. And then the body reads, the state of Ohio will distribute almost $430 million in CARES Act funds, a large portion of which will go to businesses, bars, and restaurants suffering during the pandemic. And then there's a story from a, a local business owner who basically says that, you know, anything will help during this. And, you know, we're, we're glad that this relief's finally coming in and that they, they actually did receive the relief. Um, and then Governor DeWine commented, today's relief package will be distributed across the state, addressing several key areas, key areas that have been significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. And some of the stipulations with this is after getting approved by the state's controlling board, small businesses will, will receive the largest portion of the money at $125 million. That doesn't seem like a lot with the $430 million. I wonder maybe some, maybe some of it's going to hospitals that are struggling right now because a lot of admittance is low, uh, not just throughout the country, especially in the state, this state. Um, Businesses with fewer than 25 employees can ap apply for $10,000 grants. $37.5 million will go to bars and restaurants. Each one will receive $2,500, which just doesn't seem like enough. But I don't know. The, this person that they interviewed said that anything will help, which I'm sure is true. But I don't know. I'd, I'm curious where the other parts of the money is going to. But this article focuses mostly on the small business stuff. But anyway... This kind of got me thinking a little bit. I hope to not wander off too much, but why are we doing this relief in the first place, right? Let's keep a focus on this. Now, I do think some of it could be chalked up to say like, I don't, I don't know if you call it change in tastes and preferences, but it's like it's new information, right? People who say, let's say you have young people who live with older, maybe at-risk people aren't going to be going out maybe socializing as much, going to restaurants, right? Places where there's a, there's a, poss there's a higher possibility of transmission, right? Because they, they live with someone uh, who may be at risk or maybe they're at risk themselves, right? So you're going to have different changes in, in consumption habits for sure, right? This is, this is one of the, this is maybe the most unprecedented pandemic in the modern era. But that's not the major reason of why we need these relief packages, right? The main reason why we need these relief packages is because government shutdowns in the spring where many businesses had to close down for a couple weeks or so, most businesses, especially most small businesses, and this is kind of the key that we're gonna get into, can't afford to do that. And then other certain restrictions, possible fines and penalties, et cetera, that, that will, naturally end up deferring even more customers and even more uh, businesses to collaborate. Now, now this, this is shown, I, I think that what got me thinking about this most, I think what helped me find this article was, not to go too much on a tangent with this, but I, I just finished up last week, I finished up a big time project. To, I swear I put at least 60 hours into it, um, which is so not worth it because the professor is still gonna only give me like a B in the class. But anyways, I was working on it with one of my friends, uh, and we were just sort of, we were just sort of going on this thing nonstop. Finally finished, and I was like, "Wow, that's awesome! I kind of want to celebrate, and I kind of want to go to CC's Pizza or something, you know, someplace kind of special." Because I remember growing up, CC's Pizza. I didn't go there much, 
but it always had that kind of it had that vibe of just just sort of let loose you know we know it's gross we know not like the food but you know just like the kind of buffet style and like the upkeep in the place and it's like i don't know but but those cinnamon rolls the the brownies the home style soup it wasn't even about the pizza it was about six and a half dollars and just have at it you know what i mean Act, you know you're 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 the king for for dinner right pretty much so i'm like let's look let's see if there's any cc's and cc's we could go to or something like that there should be something around columbus right i think that there was and i mean i guess she was kind of skeptical anyways because like buffets during a pandemic this kind of sad but they're gonna they're getting hit pretty bad by this but i go anyways i go on cc's.com and i look up uh locations in ohio turns out six out of the seven locations are now closed some of them are permanently closed i called a few of them and their their numbers wouldn't even pick up not even like this line is busy or something like that or because because they i believe maybe one of them the only one that's open was closed at the time and the only one that's still open now is in mansfield which is like how am i going to do that i'm not going to be able to go there till i go back home and i mean i and it just it it really like i don't know it kind of hurt cc's kind of like you know I, it's not a small american business i get it, it's a national chain but the the owners are local right it's a franchise and Again, this is kind of what made me look. Is there any sort of relief coming? I hope CC's gets it. I hope that they get back up and running soon. But then it kind of made me think about this even more, right? We we hear a lot about consumer culture and you know, maybe it's a good thing to reduce consumption and whatnot, but it seems like we're not really reducing it in many ways. It seems like we're just allocating our consumption from small socializing, uh you know, minor engagements that we used to have with small businesses. And now we're putting into places that are a lot bigger that I don't know, there could be some really bad consequences from. So to go on another tangent, so back from, so, so get off of CC's for a little bit. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie fight club. I don't know why all this just came full circle to me, but, but fight club is basically, if, if you, if you haven't seen it, uh, you definitely know scenes from it or you have seen clips from it, pictures from it. It's an iconic kind of cult following film. I believe it was made in 99. It didn't really pick up steam, though, till a couple years after its release. It's starring Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, uh, two big time actors. If, if you can't put a, a face to the name for Edward Norton, he was the guy in the not the original Hulk. I think it's the 2008, I'm pretty sure, version where he fights abomination and there's like the gamma ray bomb and all that sort of stuff. Um, it was like, I don't know that kind of okay movie, but I thought it was cool, but I was also like 10 years old when I saw it, everyone hated it. I remember my dad kept going off about it on how the plot sucked and that they should can him. And they did. He didn't think Edward Norton did a good job, but anyway, anyway, so fight club starring Brad Pitt and Edward Norton and the basic premise of the movie, uh, is Edward Norton is a, I believe he's a nameless kind of dweeb guy. I don't know if he's a salesman or something. He, he sits at a cubicle all day. He's an insomniac and all he wants to do in life, his only real goal, the only real drive he has, cause he's like, what, maybe in his late twenties, early thirties, something like that. 
His only drive is to fill up his apartment with whatever nice IKEA furniture that that uh, that he can, right? And just make it make it nice and pretty. Go work some more. Go shop at IKEA. Go work some more. Go shop at IKEA. Doesn't sleep at all. Uh, lives kind of a miserable consumerist lifestyle. And that's kind of the the cool part about the movie is if you see someone who's like quotes Fight Club or like oh says we don't you know we don't talk about Fight Club or something. Or, or like if they have a t-shirt or something, they could be like a Bernie bro, anti-capitalism type of person, or they could be like a hardcore, like right wing, super pro masculinity uh, feel because, because another part of the plot is that he starts this fight club where young men just start beating the hell out of each other. And then they start like a domestic terrorist organization. It goes, it goes really off the rails, but I don't think that's really the, that's not really the point I'm trying to make with this, but it, but it is kind of a cool film in that way that it's interpreted a lot of different ways by a lot of people, but it definitely does have a, a, a an anti-consumerist uh, uh, sort of trope, but, but it's a little bit more than that. It's, it's got a main focus of, against anti-big things. They, they end up, uh, spoiler alert coming here. So if you, I don't know if you want to watch it, fast forward, maybe 30 seconds or so. The domestic terrorist organization that he starts ends up bombing uh, credit, major credit card corporations. And basically, big is bad. Big corporation is bad because they have so much power and they kind of drone you, right? If you, if you look at Edward Norton and the type of lifestyle he lives, he's not hanging out at small restaurants. He's not buying from his local coffee shop or bookstore or whatever. He's just sitting uh, in his bathroom for hours on end, just scrolling through Ikea magazines and, and, you know, order, um, I, he would, if, if it were today, he would be ordering stuff off of Amazon on his, on his iPhone app and basically just ensconce in this major corporation, uh, garble. Right. And this is what we see all the time today. I swear everyone in their mom has some sort of promo code that they want me to use to get 20% off on their on whatever next bracelet or you know what I'm saying? I mean, everybody's just been turned into a, a walking billboard pretty much is what it looks like. And a lot of it's not just for small companies. A lot of this is for major corporations. I swear every time, every time I say something, Instagram picks up my voice, sends it to Dick Sporting Goods or Ch even Ch I got a message for Cholula's hot sauce one time and and it gets shoved right inside it right right in my, right inside of my app right in my right in my face right on my phone they're definitely listening to that but anyways the point is the people that can actually have some real decent manipulation on your life that can actually tip the scale are the big ones are the people with the real power not someone that you just kind of like you know you know the owner of it and it's like you say hi oh can you please you know put that billboard down uh, it's creeping me out and uh, I don't want that in my neighborhood. Oh yeah, sure. Sorry about that. We were just trying to be edgy. Right. You know, you can sort of interact with them on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, not somebody who's funded by who knows in what, in God knows what country or countries and who knows who owns what part of it. Right. Like those people are pretty much untouchable. The Jeff Bezos types, the, um, the Jack Dorsey's, right? Anyone in big tech and whatnot. And we got to look at this too, with, with what this comes to basically, I, I get that there's kind of this, the, 
the anti-consumerism aspect of of Fight Club, right? And it's like, well, Pat, I mean, how are you? You know, if you're eating at CC's Pizza, aren't you kind of consuming? Yeah, but it's not the same same thing as me looking at just what kind of stuff can I get on my Amazon app. What's the next cheap thing that I can get just to turn myself into some sort of vacuous blob that that doesn't really look to any purpose or any sort of any sort of job that's fulfilling, right? Like running your own small business, but just kind of, you know, being some cog in the machine, driving around for whoever, delivering pack, you know, not, I mean, delivering packages is a good job unless you got forced out of your small business job because the government said you're not allowed to. And now you have to work for Amazon. And now you have to work for Amazon so you could buy more stuff for Amazon. And then you basically just become this atomized individual that just that just some sort of cog in a machine who's living kind of like Edward Norton does in Fight Club, where you're just this this vacuous nobody who doesn't have any real control, doesn't have any real pursuit over your life. And the people that can make that a reality, like I said, the Bezos, like anybody, anybody in big tech any sort of major multinational corporation like that are the people who are balling out because of these restrictions. They are, they're not just doing okay. When you hear that the Dow is, is up record numbers, there's only a small handful of companies that are up year to date. And you know who they are. It's Apple. It's every big tech company. It's Fang, basically. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. This is the problem, man. I don't really know. I don't really know how far it goes. I don't. I don't know how globalist. You know what? What sort of if there's a big nefarious plot, but it does make you kind of think, right? We know that the people who initiate these lockdowns, we know this for a fact. They're the ones who believe it the least that this is that this is serious enough to constitute some sort of lockdown. Even even they'll they'll pretend to take the WHO seriously, which I think it's totally fair if you have your questions about you know, their, their relations with China and, and, you know, possible, possible lack of integrity there. I think that's, that's totally fair to question it, but they pretend to not even do that. And the WHO even says that lockdown is a horrible policy to pursue, that stifling the economy this dramatically is. But right now we've got, we, we had some sort of curfew in place based on what, what's up with that? What's going on? And then why does it help all the people that can that actually I, I do I think people have agency. I think people basically can they you can choose to buy something. Just because you see an ad 24-7, you can choose to buy something. I think you should be able to choose to not see that ad 24-7. That's a whole nother that's a whole other discussion, though. But the people that could kind of tip the thumb on the stale, scale and actually maybe even put their arms on it are dominating solely because of these government regulations. I, I, I made the, the claim that the people who want to implement these lockdowns and these sort of economic stifling protocols the most don't, don't believe in this. I got to back it up a little bit. But I think we all know this. This is the other odd point. If you're left or right, and this is, this is why, again, I'm just trying to be thought-provoking here with a little bit of my opinion. But I could do any example Nancy Pelosi and Hair Salon Gate, don't need to go into that. Dianne Feinstein talking in close quarters at multiple uh, federal buildings with colleagues uh, without a mask on while she thinks she's not being watched on camera. Dr. Fauci uh, 
rolling out. I don't know if he threw out the first pitch. I don't know if you'd call that a throw, but we'll say we'll say for just whatever, just for semantics, we'll call it throwing out the first pitch at the Nationals game. He has a mask on on the mound. He's not he's not within sixty feet of anyone, but then he's filmed later during the game in the stands with surrounded by a few people and he doesn't have a mask on. Governor Gavin Newsom in California going out to uh, issuing that you can't gather with more than like one other household or something along the lines. I forget the exact guidelines. Breaking his own guidelines to go to one of the nicest restaurants, one of the most expensive restaurants, like $300 plates in California with members of his health department and breaking his own his own guidelines and his own his own rules and restrictions mayor eric garcetti going in front of thousands of people without a mask on it's a it's a it's kind of iconic picture shows him looks like he has his eyes closed looks like he's pretending to pray and looks like people are pretending to pray around him many of them not wearing masks like it would make a difference there's thousands of people come on man Lori Lightfoot doing the exact same thing in Chicago. Actually, and more recently, though, screaming into a, a bullhorn without a mask on and crowds of hundreds of people. I could go on. I think it was the mayor of Denver said, don't get together with your families at Thanksgiving at a presser, immediately goes on a flight to see his family at Thanksgiving and some of his extended family members. I could do this forever. And and whatever's to the point, nobody is nobody who is implementing these these lockdowns, these economic stifling disasters that the, that, that it's become nobody who is the most serious about implementing these is actually serious about the protocol and actually takes the virus that seriously. 0% of them do. It's just something that I think is worth thinking about, and and we're gonna actually like have to have to evaluate this a little bit more in the future. Keep it in mind, like actually pay attention to what goes around you. If you know anyone, it's like you know if 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 their business shuts down and now they have to go work for Amazon. Amazon buys whatever sort of real estate they had, use it as a warehouse. Now they have to go deliver for Amazon in their old business that that time seems to be coming man just some things to think about so i don't know i hope i hope that was a little bit thought-provoking for you sorry if i got off on too much of a tangent my mind's a little convoluted sometimes but hope you enjoyed that little segment probably be doing that a little bit more um so thanks a lot for listening And we'll catch you next episode. I'm Patrick McFarlane. Here it is, Ohio.